Welcome back, everybody. It's Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. I am Lisa and sitting across from me, mooing in the dark on her screen, is Misty Stinnett. And yes, we are still in lockdown. We are living large and loving life in lockdown. (laughs) And by living large and loving life in lockdown, we mean uh, trying to manage panic attacks, anxiety, living very small, quiet lives. Staying alive, wearing masks. Calling each other in the middle of the night and and to, what did we FaceTime the other night till like two in the morning? That was so great. Zoe was trying to stay awake and be part of the slumber party. She was like, I can stay up. Again, Zoe is Lisa's landlord. It doesn't leave her a permit. I'm well, never letting you, that bit go. I, it's a perfect bit. If you are tuning in for the first time, you might be expecting what we do here, which is a, a, a annual, an annual or a weekly, a weekly review of a popular self-help book. But no, that's on a Friday. And today is a Tuesday. And so we are on our weekly <laughs> beef episode where we follow up on the previous week's uh, book, maybe uh, a follow-up on homework if we were assigned it, and then some supplemental material, maybe an article, maybe a conversation or a thought-provoking question, maybe maybe a listener email, maybe some trivia. We haven't done trivia in a while and I was going to promise it, but you know, life is hard. Yeah. And in the old world, we had guests on. Can you believe it? What a time to be alive. Um, so, uh, we cuss, you kind of caught up. If you're looking for a book review, go one up or down in the feed. And, uh, just so you're aware of where we are in the time space continuum, it's the end of April. It's the end of April. We're in the middle of a, having a heat wave, wave. and we, we have been talking a lot, Lise, about the self-help industry we have and uh i i guess the first thing i should say is we i didn't assign you homework in the last episode normally we'd check in on homework at the top of the episode but you made me cry so you decided to give me a pass (laughs) i so i made lisa cry at the end of the last episode the last full book review we did which was untamed by glennon doyle and honestly if you listen to nothing else if you skip to the last 15 minutes of that episode, I think it's Chef's kiss. one of the most authentic, compelling moments that we've had on air. We were talking about, you know, Glennon Doyle talks about in order to move into the most true and authentic and beautiful version of your life or yourself or your family structure, you have to let the old one burn. And so we, Lisa and I were... Sh- Yeah, and be willing and all the pain that comes with that because you cannot have rebirth until you have death. And maybe do it multiple times. I feel like I'm doing some form of it every other week somehow. I don't know how. I mean, the big, you know, there's big ones and there's little ones, but um, uh, Lisa really and and myself shared uh, some of our experiences internally and externally about that. And that was one of my favorite moments on the podcast. So um, no homework for you, baby. You've been you. burning and churning. You've been burning and learning. Misty, what do you have for us today on this uh, weekly beef? Listen, our guy, Mark Manson, who's a big fan, 
big fan of the podcast. Honestly, I had to I had to tell him, Mark, you gotta we gotta take down the stop calls asking. to like six yeah. a day. Okay. Stop it's asking gotta, to come on. Stop asking to be on the podcast. It's not gonna happen. Like why that's why, you know, he honestly yeah, it thirst trap. He honestly told me between you and I, that's why he did his latest audiobook, oh, Audible cool. Original Love is Not Enough, because he was like, Well, if I can't be on Go Help Yourself, then this is what I'm gonna do. So Mark's book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, was the first book we ever covered on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the book. Not as big of a fan as his uh latest book. It's an audible original audio book only. Uh Love is Not Enough. Mm-hmm. But I came across, but I still, I, I'm such a big fan of his writing. Yeah. You know, I think so, I, I'm interested. He also has a book called Everything is Fucked, a book about hope that I would like to read. Uh, we will cover it eventually. But I am a, a big fan of his writing. So I came across this article on his website, markmanson.net. And it is called Five Problems with the Self-Help Industry. And I thought this would be really interesting to read from a guy who has one of the best-selling self-help books of the modern day. He's a millionaire based uh, off of it, for sure. Yeah. The byline of the article is, it's a billion-dollar industry with a set of glaring problems all its own. These are the pitfalls and ripoffs of the self-help industry to avoid, and it is an eight-minute read. Okay, here we go. Wait, there's a thing at the top that says click play to listen to this article. Maybe that's what we should do. Just let it roll, baby. Then we will say he really was on our podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. And hold on. I am going to play because I want to hear like, does it, is it him that reads it? No, 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 no. That is a robot. It went into into my headphones. (laughs) Was it like? It went in my headphones and it goes, it goes. Five problems with the self-help industry. Nope. Okay. Listen and enjoy my dulcet tones, you little LLLs. The self-help industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. It fills bookstores and conference rooms. It's made media celebrities out of people and capitalized wildly off the growing self-consciousness of recent generations. And although it's changed the lives of millions of people, mostly for the better, I assume, it still lacks a certain credibility with most. Many regard it as simple snake oil. Others laugh at the bizarre superstitions that get passed off as legitimate life advice. The secret, thank you. Mm -hmm. Many try to self-help out, but are left feeling disgruntled. Clinical psychology doesn't exactly have a stellar track record of personal change either. But at least when you lay down on the sofa, you know you're dealing with a qualified expert who is telling you what to do based on 100 plus years of empirical research, which is something you and I say all the time, Lisa. Yeah. Also, people do not lie down on the sofa anymore. <laughs> no, they don't. No, I like to lie face down um, on the steps outside to really establish the level of pain I'm going through. I can't get in. I can't even bring myself in. Let's just do it here, Monica. Okay. With self-help, God only knows where half of these people come from. It's a market-driven rather than a peer-reviewed industry. Yes, it is. The onus is on the reader to sift through the material and decide what's credible and what's not. Or may I say, the onus is on your podcast hosts. We're here for you, babies. Don't you worry. We've got this. We're piloting the plane. You just sit back, relax, and suck down a vodka spritzer. He says it's not always easy to do. The following are five major problems with the self-help industry today, and they're unlikely to go away. Number one, 
Self-help reinforces perceptions of inferiority and shame. Mm. Two types of people get hooked on self-help material. Oh, here we go. I'm going to not take this personally. Those who feel something is fundamentally wrong with them and they are willing to try anything to make it better. Lisa's raising her hand. (laughs) And those people who think they're already generally a good person, but they have some problems and blind spots and want to become great people. You're pointing at me. Yeah, correct. But I'm not willing to do anything to make myself better. I just think I'm a piece of shit. (laughs) She says as tears stream down her face. (laughs) He says, call these the bad to okay people and the okay to great people. Bad to okay people are in it because they believe that they're fundamentally flawed and want to fix themselves. Okay to great people are in it because they think they are okay, but they want to become great. I feel like he just said that. Generally speaking, the okay to great people do just that. They go from having an average and okay life and turn it into something really unique and great over the course of years. The bad to okay people improve little, if at all, even after years of effort. In some cases, they may even get worse. Okay, why? Bad to okay people consistently fail because they possess a fundamental worldview that interprets everything they do, including self-help, to support their inferiority or lack of worthiness. Oh, For example, I, guess I really fucked that up with my worldview. You really do, and you're canceled. For example, an okay to great person may read a book on becoming happy and think, oh, cool, there are a bunch of things in there that I'm not doing. I should try them out. A bad to okay person will read the same book and say, wow, look at all of this stuff I'm not doing. I'm an even bigger loser than I initially thought. Yeah. The fundamental difference is that bad to okay lacks self-acceptance that most people have. An okay to great person will look at the string of bad choices and mistakes throughout their life and decide that they should make better choices and learn how to be a better person. A bad to okay person will assume every choice they make is bad because they are a fundamentally flawed person that the only way they can make good choices is by doing exactly what someone else says word for word. The irony here is that the prerequisite for self-help to be effective is the one crucial thing that self-help cannot actually help. Accept yourself as a good person who makes mistakes. Sure, sit with your chi. Be still in the now. Say your affirmations and journal until you're blue in the face. The bad to okay people will continue to perceive themselves as bad and never reach the okay they're desperately looking for. Because this inadequacy is their worldview. Everything they do will only reinforce it further. At best, all they can hope for is to cover it up or suppress it. So that's number one. Number two, or... They use self-help material as another form of avoidance. Dating advice is a classic example here. I don't know how to ask out the person I like on a date, so I'll read four books about it and feel like I did something. Suddenly, reading the books feels far more important than actually asking the person out. And I'll take it a step further and say, if you really want to feel like you're doing something, but you're not, start a self-help podcast about all the books that you read so you get to regurgitate it back at another person. Because we're doing it for you and we don't want any competition. Listen, we've got it handled, okay? Stop getting angry. We're Olivia Pope. It's handled. It's handled. I just started watching Little Fires Everywhere with Carrie Washington. She's so great. Uh, Number three, self-help marketing creates unrealistic expectations. Although theoretically, I have no issue with the profit motive in the self-help industry. In practice, it causes problems. With the profit motive, the incentive is not on creating real change, but creating the perception of real change. This can be done with placebos, teaching clients to suppress certain negative feelings or to pump their temporary emotional states. It can be done by placating anxious people with more information about neurotics, with more relaxation techniques. These all create 
short-term sensations of accomplishment and improvement, but almost always dissipate within a few days or weeks. I'm sorry, but you're not going to get over a lifetime of feeling inadequate or shame in a single weekend. You just aren't. What will happen is you'll feel better about that inadequacy and shame for a weekend, and then it will come back again. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the book. It definitely depends on the book. And for me, whenever there's like a, a really powerful reframe about how I'm thinking about something or approaching something, I do find that that's sticks more than the, you've just got to overcome your inability to focus. It's like, no, what if we reframe this idea that we're supposed to focus all the time, right? Yeah. And also you have a better chance of continuing to reframe when that old pattern comes up. Yeah. So it's not like you can just go run around the block once and then have the endurance of a marathoner, right? You have to build up to that and practice that over and over before it's something that you actually incorporate. And this goes back to building habits, right? So listen to our episode on atomic habits if you want to know more about that. Number four, self-help is usually not scientifically validated. Here are the self-help practices which have been shown in scientific studies to have some validity. Meditate, oh, Lisa is doing brush your shoulders off brush it off. Um, Here are the self-help practices which have been shown in scientific studies to have some validity. Meditation or mindfulness, keeping a journal, stating what you're grateful for each day, being charitable, and giving to others. Here's where the science is hit and miss. It usually depends on how or why it is used. Neuro-linguistic programming, affirmations, hypnotherapy, getting in touch with your inner child. Here's what is complete bullshit, according to Mark Manson. Feng shui manifestations, tarot cards, telekinesis, psychics, crystals, power animals, tapping, the law of attraction, anything supernatural or woo-woo. I'm going to say Misty has moved getting in touch with your inner child to the total bullshit because the way you said it was getting in touch with your inner child. I hate it because she's a bitch. Okay. I've talked with her. I visited with her. She is a nice lady and she's fine. <laughs> <laughs> she can't be a lady if she's a child. She's just a little girl. Okay. No, okay. You, you stop crying. Okay. okay. The fact is, according to Mark Manchin, Mark, Mark Manchin, mm-hmm. Mark, I've always wanted a big Mark Manchin to live in. McMansion. The fact is that the majority of self-help information out there is either a placebo at best or complete bunk at worst. Fortunately, in the past decade, many academics such as Brene Brown and Dan Gilbert are getting into the mix by writing self-help books based on scientific studies rather than the usual trope of, I was cleaning out my closet when God spoke to me and I suddenly became enlightened and here's my completely arbitrary and half-baked book on what you should, should and should not do with your life. Thank you. But this is also coming from a dude who just dropped a book about fixing relationships and he's not a fucking relationship expert. And he also said there's the justified bitch and the unjustified bitch. Yes. Listen, listen, everybody. I did end up recommending that book to someone that I thought it could be useful to, but there are problems in his book and his approach. I I liked The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck way more because it did feel more empirical and it did feel more data supported and it was less, more philosophical and less actually prescriptive to human beings and less problematic. So interesting, Mark Manson, um, because you were a blogger blogging about your life and then you got well-known. He was blogging about dating, wasn't he? 
Yes. Does 10 years of date blogging make you an expert? That's arguable. Some would say yes, some would say no. And and as my friend Jesse says, he doesn't care where the advice comes from as long as it's good advice. And in some ways, I'm like, yeah, good advice is good advice. Like, yeah, but you have to be discerning. Okay, number five, the fifth thing that's wrong with the self-help industry, according to Mark McMansion, <laughs> is self-help is a contradiction. The contradiction of self-help is that the first and most fundamental step to growth is to admit that you're okay as you are and that you don't necessarily need anyone else's help. It's the prime belief, and by its very definition, it's something that can't be given to you by someone else. It must be reached on your own. The irony is that once you do accept that, you don't need anyone else's help or advice to become a good person. It's only then that their advice truly becomes useful to you. So in a way, self-help is most useful for people who don't actually need self-help. Your hands are on your head. What's happening? Misty, I, first of all, feel like he's approaching a little bit of Eckhart Tolle, Escher talk, the way he's writing. And also, Mm -hmm. I'm angry that this motherfucker wrote this, who also has benefited from selling millions of books uh, in self-help. And I feel like he's benefiting from something. I'm, I'm, I'm all twisted. I feel like I'm stuck in a snafu. That's it. Yeah. And, and it seems like he gets away with saying this because the title of the section is self-help is a contradiction. So he could just go back and be like, I said it was a contradiction. And also, also, you can accept that you are okay as you are. And also, there are things you could do that would improve your life and circumstances. Yeah. So I don't like that he he's painting, he's using tricky language here that paints this as though it's a given. Right. So if you're okay as you are, then you don't need to change anything. And it's like, no, I can fully accept myself as I am and say, I'm a flawed human being. And I'm, that's perfectly okay. And I'm okay with that. And I'd like to improve some of those flaws because they might make me feel more comfortable in my own skin. They might make the lives of the people around me better. So, like, I reject the way he's framing this last section. I agree. One more thing I'll say, which is that, like, for me, it isn't so much the way he's framing this last section that self-help, the problem is that, is that something we've talked about before is that self-help, the problem about self-help is that it puts the entire onus on the person who's seeking help when usually the reason that they feel this way or that they have a problem is the cracks and the lack of societal or cultural support. A hundred percent. I would say self-help is not really... Self-help doesn't actually exist is what I would have titled this last section. You just blew my mind. I love you so much. We've we've talked about this a few times. It's like self-help doesn't actually exist because if you're able to think critically, you probably had a lot of insight from smart friends, people, support. If you're truly moving to a place of well-being, chances are there's a therapist involved Self-help is never done in a bubble. Even the author that you're getting the self-help from, that is not self-help. Yeah. <laughs> right? All of the all of the other people's work that you build on as that author, you're not doing it alone. No one does anything alone. They really don't. No. Even if it appears that way on the surface. So, so Mark Manson, that is my response to you. Stop. He's texting me right now. I mean, honestly, this has got Mark, to stop. Mark, stop it. Stop, Mark. Stop. 
Mark, Mark, lean in close. Stop it. Stop it. This is just for Mark Manson. So if you're anybody else, just don't listen, but stop. <laughs> that was my favorite TikTok you sent me this week. I know. I love it. It was so good. So he goes on to say, so in a way, self-help is most useful for people who don't actually need self-help. It's for the okay to great people, not the bad to okay people. Although those are most of the people who get caught in its net and spend their money on it. Self-improvement is quite literal in its meaning. It's used to enhance oneself, not to replace it. If you're looking to replace who you are with something else, then you will never succeed. And you're more likely to get sucked up into the nonsense and pseudoscience and suppress your feelings of inadequacy rather than deal with them head on. In other cases, self-help allows people to transfer and project their feelings of inadequacy onto others or live vicariously through a guru or someone else's success. Again, it's the perception of progress and not progress itself. So what's the point of all this? It's this. Figure it out yourself. That may sound like an obvious cop-out, but seriously, why would anyone else have the answers to your life but you? No, I, I'm going to stop right here and say, I also reject this because you only have the knowledge that you have. You only have the tools that you have, and you have to look outside yourself often for other tools and other perspectives. If we could all figure it out, Mark, why the fuck are we at this podcast right now? Why is anyone listening? Why are we talking about it? I love you. Mark! Okay, we're almost done. I also do like him. So, yes, yeah, self-help yeah. contradiction. Okay. You can take their experiences and ideas into consideration, but ultimately it's their application to your life that matters. None of this was supposed to be easy. Anyone who tells you otherwise is probably marketing something. Be skeptical, be selfish, and be ruthless. This is your life we're talking about. Nobody else can be happy for you. If you find yourself having that expectation, well, then there's your problem, and no one can help you except yourself. And by the way, he has a short list of self-help books that are actually worth reading. And you can see this at markmanson.net. But let me tell you what's on there is Seven Habits of Highly Successful People by Stephen Covey. And let me tell you... That book was terrible. Yeah. He also put his own book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, on the list. And he says, hyping my own shit here, but it sold 10 million copies worldwide for a reason, which I agree with. Though there are several books on this list. I think it's like 11 the 11 best self-help books of all time, but the seven habits of highly successful people should not be one of them. And if you want to know why, listen to our episode on that. It is some bullshit. So anyway, there is an article that really summates how I feel about Mark Manson, which is, man, he really nails it home in some ideas and he really fucking misses the mark in others. He misses the mark, the mark Manson. Manson. Thank you. And I'm still a fan and I'm still going to read the books that he writes. I'm going to continue yeah. to consume his stuff. Yeah. It's complicated, y'all. We're trying to do the work on the front lines of the Nobody's perfect. And with that, may your McMansions <laughs> be abundant. Abundant. Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing. <laughs> do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know you can also find us on the social medias. Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast. Twitter at G-H-Y podcast, or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends? Bye! Bye.